God's word brings help. Whatever it is that you are faced with today, whatever it is you're carrying, whatever you came in here with, God's word brings help. And he is going to do that again today as we look to his word. So let's open up to Colossians 3. Uh, hopefully you found that in your Bibles by now. And for those of you that didn't bring a Bible, we'll put the words on the screen so we can all follow along together. I'm not going to go through the whole chapter. I want to try and get through as much of it as I can. But I want to begin with the first three verses in Colossians chapter 3. Paul's writing and he says, Since then... You have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Let me read this one more time, just for emphasis. Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I've been thinking a lot about this move we have coming up. And, you know, in some ways there's a lot of things I'm excited about and in some ways there's some things I'm, I'm not so excited about. Because, um, I mean, moving can be fun. Anybody like moving? I just see your hand. Some of you are shaking your head, no, I'm not even going to. Like, what is he? Does anybody like moving? Anybody? Nope, nobody? Wow, this is a really great series. Everybody hates moving. Um, I like, I grew up moving. I mean, my, like I said, my dad was a Methodist pastor. Every two or three years, I was moving to someplace different. I like moving because, you know, just the excitement of something new. The fact that, you know, you don't know necessarily what awaits you. Maybe there's new opportunities. Uh, maybe there's better opportunities, different experiences. Sometimes moving can be an upgrade, you know, moving from an apartment to a house, maybe from one house to a bigger house, maybe uh, moving to a new environment where uh, not everybody knows your past, and so you kind of get to write a new chapter in your life. Moving can be exciting, but um, I, I think the part that you guys can relate to that maybe why you're shaking your head at me, why you don't like moving, because moving has its own problems, right? And I don't know what it is that you don't like about moving, but the thing that I don't like about moving is the packing, the, the packing. Does, does anybody like packing? Can I, anybody, you, okay, can we just get um, their names? We are going to be moving next week, so can we just put your hand up again? Okay, you like packing? Um, packing, I, I hate packing. I, uh, and I know like some of you, maybe you're like really organized people where it's like, yeah, I love, you know, it's, you know, I get to put everything in boxes, I get to really like clean house and sort things out. And, you know, out with the old and with the new. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter how organized you are. Packing is inconvenient. It really is. When, when you're packing things, you, you are, like, no matter how, how much of a planner you are, the truth is, with packing, the earlier you do it, the more inconvenient your life is. It's like, you know, when you're trying to move, it's like, hey, guess what? This week, we are eating on paper plates because everything is packed up. Actually, at my house, is this week, we are eating out every night this week because we are packed up. I'm not going to cook anything. Sometimes, you know, in life, it feels like the stuff that you need is stored away. And it's that same tension of dealing with the fact that you got to live right now, but you're preparing for what's next that Paul is writing about in chapter three. Because 
The central theme that Paul wants to convey in Colossians chapter three is that if you are in Christ, your home is not here. Maybe some of you just need to let that sit a minute. If you are in Christ, your home is not here. Let's look at what he says. Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts where Christ is. Set your minds where Christ is, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. He's trying to help you see that if you're a Christian, your life is found in Christ. Christ is in heaven, and so the way we live should be reflective of that. Now, Colossians chapter 3, it's probably my favorite passage in the entire book of Colossians because the way Paul writes is so brilliant. Like, when, he, when Paul writes, he'll introduce a concept, he'll introduce an idea first before he moves into application, and that's what he's done. Chapter 1, chapter 2, he, he starts out, he, he wants to introduce this thought that Christ is superior to all other claims. We talked about that the first week, how Jesus is over everything. Jesus changes everything. And then last week we talked about how because you are full of Christ, because you are complete in Christ, you don't have to compete with anyone. That just as you received Christ, you got this gift of salvation. Now let it work its way out. The package is the process. We talked about this. But now that we've established those two things, Paul transitions to the practical matters of Christianity. Aren't you glad that the Bible's practical? The Bible's so practical. The Bible's not just a book of theological concepts that you can't apply. The Bible is instruction about how to live right now. And so when you read through this chapter, and we'll look at some of it, what you see is, is Paul says, okay, there's, if you're going to be in Christ, there's some things that need to change about you. There, there's some things that you've got to put down, put off. There's some stuff that you've got to put on. And then he gets into specifics about interpersonal relationships, but the central theology of this entire passage, and really the whole book of Colossians, is found in these first four verses. And it begins with this, a heaven focus. A heaven focus. You might want to write that down if you're taking notes. Paul says, you, you want to understand the superiority of Christ, the supremacy of Christ, You've got to have a heaven focus. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Set your minds on things above where Christ is, not on earthly things. I thought it was interesting that Paul basically says the same thing two different ways. He says, set your hearts, set your minds. In other words, being in Christ is going to require a modification of your motives and your mindset. Being in Christ requires both a passion and a practicality. And the best way I could illustrate it is really with packing. You ever think about like when you're packing for a vacation, there's an inherent excitement in it. You're thinking about where you're gonna be, all the things you're gonna do, what it's gonna be like when you get there. But you have to practically plan and prepare or you're not going to get to experience the benefits of being there. Like I said, I've moved many times in my life. I've moved also overseas three separate times on my own. I remember the first time uh, I moved overseas on my own was uh, 
I was, I'd graduated from high school. I was 17 years old and I was moving to France. I was going to college there. And uh, I still remember like the night before I left so vividly, I was packing because I'm a last minute packer. Any other last minute, I already told you packing's inconvenient. That's the only way to do it, last minute. You can't inconvenience yourself by trying to get ahead of it. My wife, when she goes on a trip, she starts the week before. She's laying out outfits on the bed. I'm just like, you know, we're just, we're going to figure it out when we get it. If I forgot something, we're going to buy it. Um, but I remember as a, just, just out of high school, I was packing and preparing to go to France. And I was thinking about all the things I was going to see, the sights that I would see, uh, the people that I would meet, the culture that I would experience, the ways of doing things that I would come across, the thoughts and you know, different customs that I would encounter, all of these different things. And you know, I didn't have a heaven focus, I had a France focus. But in the same way, Paul is writing to encourage us to have a heaven focus. And I'm using that as an illustration to say, he doesn't want the church, doesn't want you and I, to think about heaven as some kind of abstract theological concept. Paul wants to make it concrete. He says, set your heart and set your mind on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. In other words, heaven is a real place. Heaven is a real place. There are people there. It has real priorities, real values, real ways of doing things, real customs and culture. Heaven is a real place. And so to focus on the realities of heaven is to say that heaven's priorities should be my priorities. Heaven's culture should be my culture. Heaven's value system, heaven's ways of doing things should be my value system and the ways of doing things. And here's why. Because the right focus will bring the right fruit. That's why Paul contrasts it with the things down here. He says, set your minds on things above, not on, not on earthly things. In other words, the, the default setting of our life is not to focus on heaven. The default setting of our life is to think about everything that's going on. 24-7 news cycle. All the social media you know, likes and comments and all of that pressures of my job and career, the, the family drama that I'm dealing with. That, that's the earthly things that we focus on. And I know like sometimes people say, you know, don't be, you ever heard that phrase? Like, don't be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. Have you ever heard that phrase? Well, if you have, it's stupid. Okay. It is a dumb phrase. It, it, like, and I, I know maybe what people mean. Like they, they think, you know, don't just over-spiritualize every aspect. And I would agree with that. Like, you know, sometimes just people are like, well, you know, God's really leading me to do this. And yeah, I mean, who am I to say? I don't know, but maybe God's not leading. Maybe you just want to do it, okay? That's, that's all right. Like, you don't need to just bring God into every natural, you know, it's just really wrestling with God. The other, well, maybe you were just bothered by something and you couldn't sleep. I don't know. The point I'm trying to make is, I've got a different phrase. It's not quite as catchy, but it's, um, you know, don't bring God into everything just to validate your preference. It's, it's not as pithy, but I think it's going to catch on. Um, but <laughs> don't be so heavenly minded you're of no earthly good. That's stupid. 
the more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you're going to be. The, the more your focus is on heaven, the realities of heaven, you are going to be so much more fruitful and helpful while you're here on earth. What I'm trying to say is a heaven focus is a good thing because heaven is a place. It's got real priorities, values, systems, people, community, but it's also eternal. And that's why I want to tell you not to just have a heaven focus, but to also have an eternal perspective, an eternal perspective. And honestly, this one's a little harder for me. I, I was almost convicted preparing for this week because my mind is not always on heaven. Um, sometimes I'm thinking about all the stuff on my to-do list that I got to get done and all the demands that require and everything that's happening. I don't know if you can relate to that, but maybe another way of putting it is, you know, sometimes it's hard to be focused on heaven when you feel like you're going through hell. But the thing that's helpful to me is that when I remember that heaven is eternal, it reminds me that my problems are temporal. It reminds me that what I'm going through is momentary. What I'm dealing with is temporary. You know, even as much as I might not like packing, and maybe you can relate, pack, packing isn't a problem forever. <laughs> it's not perpetual. Packing's only temporary. Yeah, it's no fun. You got to pack up your house. You got to be inconvenienced. You got to go, but it's not forever. Nobody lives that way. I mean, I know we all got that one box that we've never unpacked since we moved, but you don't live in a perpetual state of packing. It's temporary. And having an eternal perspective reminds me that what I'm going through right now, it's, it's, not, it's not eternal. In fact, Paul, the one who wrote this letter, he writes about this in another letter. And it's funny the way he says it because he says, look, when I think about eternity and the glory that waits there, everything I'm dealing with these are light afflictions, light afflictions. This was written by the guy that people wanted killed. It was written by the guy that was jailed, put in prison multiple times. Written by the guy that suffered shipwreck multiple times. Written by the guy that was beaten and robbed, lied about and slandered. And he's like, you know, when I really consider it all in light of eternity and the glory that's there, these are just light affliction. It doesn't hold any weight. It's not that big a deal. And because, and because Paul knew, because he had an eternal perspective, he also knew that he had an assured future, an assured future. And this is what he wants to remind them. He says, I, I want you to set your mind on the fact. I want you to know about the realities of heaven. I want you to have an eternal perspective, but Remember, you've got an assured future. When you set your mind on heaven, you got to remember your future is secure. Now, the fact this tells us to set our minds, the implication is this does not come automatically. This does not happen even easily. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you automatically have a mindset shift. 
He says, look, since you've been raised, I need you to modify the way you're thinking. I need you to adjust your heart's perspective. And when you adjust it, what I need you to remember is that you have an assured future. Here's how he communicates this. He says, he does it by quoting Psalm 101. He says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Psalm 110, it's a messianic psalm. It's a psalm of David. Messianic just means it's prophetic about Jesus. Interesting thing with this passage, it is the most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament. 30 times it's found in the New Testament. You see, seated at the right hand of God or something referencing Psalm 110. And whenever it's used, it's used to emphasize the power and authority of Jesus. Let me read it to you. Psalm 110 says, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Now, this gives me confidence. I want you to think about this. Because when I'm focused on the fact that my future is assured, that it's secure, that it's safe, that it's already handled, it brings a sense of peace and rest. So think about this, what he's saying. He's saying anything that comes against the work of God, when, when I'm focused on God's plans and God's purposes, I'm pursuing his priorities, any problems that would try and come against me cannot prevail. It says that the things that would try to come against the work of God, God is actually going to position to bring some rest. I'm gonna kick my feet up. I'm gonna sit back and relax. It cannot stand. What would you do if you thought about God's plans and purpose for your life? The dreams he's put in your heart, the things that you know God wants you to do and you're facing difficulty, you're facing opposition, and you're feeling like, God, I don't even know if I have what it takes to do this. And he says, hey, all those things, I'm gonna set up to be a footstool. I'm gonna set up so that you can kick back. When your heart is on heaven, you can have peace in your mind. You can have rest in your soul. You can have freedom from fear. You can just, just breathe. You just experience some relief, some comfort, because your future is secure. It's assured. In fact, Paul says this. He says, your life is now hidden in Christ. Not saying that it's a mystery to you. It's top secret. saying that it's, it's in safekeeping. He's holding it in his capable hands. And because of that, we should take righteous actions. Righteous actions. So this is where it gets practical. Have you ever noticed how your mind will influence and lead your movements? I mean, if you don't believe me, just, I mean, think of donuts for a minute. Anybody like donuts? I don't know what your favorite donut is. I mean, my favorite, I personally, I'm partial to Krispy Kreme. I love it when it's hot and fresh. You see that light on. I will follow a truck sometimes just to see if they're going to stop. And um, yeah, I don't know what your, maybe uh, your favorite donut uh, is, is Dunkin'. You know, it's not a bad choice. Um, Munchers, any favorite donut munchers, anybody? Always the, the local favorite. Um, Casey's, 
Casey's anybody? Uh, my wife. Casey's. Can we pray for her? Just stretch out our hands for right now. Um, donuts. What's your favorite donut? You know, chocolate with sprinkles. I like the cream-filled ones myself. Uh, jelly. There's Long John's. The maple frosted, that's, that's good. Um, all sorts of donuts. My point is, if you think about donuts long enough, you are going to find yourself in the Dunkin' drive-thru. Because your mind leads your movements. So when Paul is saying, set your mind on things above, set your heart on heaven, he's saying, if you do that, it is going to correlate with righteous actions. It has to. And he says, and this is the actions you need to take. There's two of them. He says, there's some stuff you got to put down and some stuff you got to put on. Paul actually says it a little more explicit. He says, put to death, verse five, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. You got these things that crop up in your life, lust, greed, sexual immorality. You got this stuff that it's, it's, it's showing up in your life. It's an indicator that there is a part of your life that has not been crucified yet because dead things do not respond. So he says, you need to put this stuff to death. You need to crucify it. And actually what he says is the root of all this is idolatry. It's the deifying of self. The Amplified Bible puts it that way. The deifying of self where, where, you, where your self-interest and your priorities take precedence over God's interests and God's priorities. He says, you used to walk this way, but now you have to rid yourselves of it. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. It's a process. So there's some things that you've got to put down. There are some things that you can't take with you into the next place that you're going. You know, your winter coat is not going to do you much good on the beach. There is some furniture that is not going to work in your new place. You know, the, the teddy bears were good at home, but they don't go in your college dorm. Whatever it is, there are some stuff you got to move on. You can't take it with you. And he's saying, in this life, in Christ, there's some stuff you've got to put to death. You gotta move past it. You gotta crucify it. And in the same token, you don't wanna show up someplace naked. So he says, there's some stuff that you gotta put on. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. So you gotta throw off the old, you gotta take on the new, and you gotta move with, this is the last one, a thankful response. A thankful response. When you recognize your home is in heaven, it should cause a thankful response. This is how Paul puts it. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. 
Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs with the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. Three separate times, Paul says, whatever it is you're doing, be thankful. If you're growing, be thankful that you're growing. In encouragement, be thankful. In admonition and in challenge and teaching, be thankful. When you're serving, when you're fulfilling God's mission and God's purpose, be thankful. Be, be thankful. Now, I thought it was interesting, why does Paul stress this idea of being thankful? And he's trying to stress it's not an obligation, it's an opportunity. And here's why. Because gratitude brings God into your situation. This whole message, this whole thought process that Paul is going through is to help people see, hey, your home is in heaven. But I was reminded when Paul was writing this, when I was, as I was reading this, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. I was thinking of how scripture says, enter his gates with thanksgiving in your hearts. And of course, with praise, another Psalm 22 we quoted earlier, it said, God inhabits the praises of his people. You see, gratitude is the key that unlocks the door to God's house. But it's also what makes him show up at yours. And so while you're moving, while you're packing, while you're in transition, our home is in heaven, but you gotta live here now, God can show up in your situation right now with gratitude. Man, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for how God is using you. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful that God has shown himself faithful in my life and in building this church and in your life. I'm thankful that God's grace goes beyond our mistakes. Maybe that's why they say, home is where the heart is. Have you ever heard that phrase? Home is where your heart is? Because you know, when you're, when you're moving, it is inconvenient. It's challenging, it's frustrating. But Paul says, sets your heart Set your mind. Make sure you got a, a heaven focus. Make sure you've got an eternal perspective. M make sure you remember your assured future. It should cause righteous actions. And in it all, a thankful response. And when you set your, your heart on heaven, you're already home already home. I want to pray for you.